Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, y'all, it's Amber sending you a friendly reminder to join our Patreon. Y'all, it's super low commitment. You can join our Patreon for a dollar, three dollars, five dollars. You can probably join it for 50 cents. I do want to shout out four, y'all, four motherfucking new patrons who just joined the party. Shout out to Elise, Naisha, or Naisha, I'm so sorry, sis, Melanie, and Deja. Thank you so much to the four patrons that just joined the party. Also, remember, patrons, not on this episode, episode 53, but next week on episode 53. 54, we will be doing a patrons only raffle for the book Ring Shout that was written by P. Jelly Clark, who is just fucking fantabulous. Uh, we interviewed him for the show in the past, and the book is super, super great. It was also based in Georgia, so I love it so much. So be sure to join our Patreon. Now let's get started with the show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci, Under the Believe Podcast Network, a podcast about black science fiction, fantasy, and staying on the same page in our marriage. Today is episode 53 of the show, and we will be reviewing Spell. It was a 2020 film that came out, directed by Mark Tadondurai. I'm always going to F this up. Tadondurai? How do you think that's pronounced? You couldn't look up YouTube. uh, I'm not doing all that. Mark... Thank you for directing a movie. You're a black man. We love you. There will be spoilers uh, for this movie, just so everyone knows. Um, Go ahead and see it. I think we saw it on Hulu, but it might be available on Amazon Prime as well. Uh, For those of you listening, Ben just read me a super fun headline. Ben, why don't you share it with the... Instead of asking how you're doing, why don't you just share with me the headline you just read? Three shot in Pennsylvania over a dispute about baby shower gifts during a baby shower. (laughs) <laughs> talk this about is why hard we need abortion i'm just kidding or gun tra- <laughs> this, is a, this story just doesn't encapsulate the importance of abortion and gun right laws all in one. Oh my god what a perfect storm i mean how awesome would it be to make a horror story of a crime that was committed at a gender reveal a baby shower like oh yeah that's fun isn't it like a murder like a slasher film at a baby shower yes oh yeah and then like the pregnant the pregnant woman has to fight off everyone literally or maybe it's just like a reverse like rosemary's baby situation where she's the one doing the killing and she's just like you know being possessed by this demon spawn baby that does actually sound awesome i'd watch i'd watch the shit out of that by the way i think this quantifies as who solomon rushdie didn't he didn't he direct rosemary's baby Solomon Rushdie, the guy, the Muslim oh, man, uh, Lord. the Islamic I writer. Confuse him and Roman Polanski. Solomon Rushdie. I know. I'm sorry. Those two. Names he wrote a book brain. called The Satanic Verses. Right. You can understand why I confuse the two. Rosemary. No, he, it's about. He writes. Oh my God, this is embarrassing. I'm not embarrassed. Why? You. Are you. You, sh- you are. I've been reading black authors for the past year. Willfully so I, ignorant. I'm ignorant because I've been reading and investing in black people. So that's, you that's should, on me. We should read something by Solomon Rushdie. He wrote a book called The Satanic Verses. I, I think, you know, he is part of like Islamic culture, but he wrote something that was, you know, critical of Islam right. a, as someone who comes from that tradition. And there was a, uh, like a fatwa, basically a, someone saying that you know he should be put to death so that's sort of the big thing from him if you don't hear someone at some point say you should be put to death 
because of the art you create, you're not creating real art. Yeah, that's just me. Th- that that's sound, just that song. sounds about right. Uh, before we jump into the show today, for reals, I just want to send some love to all our amazing listeners out there. We do have two new Apple ratings. It's y'all. Y'all write the ratings. We love to read them. So this one is from um, Jen W one N ten thirty. Jen writes, refreshing and well researched. Discover this hilarious TikTok. Discovered this hilarious couple on TikTok and was delighted to see that they not only had a podcast but a sci-fi podcast. So, so enjoyable. They really know their stuff and enjoy. I guess they meant to put I. And I enjoy hearing their perspectives as well as discovering new authors and works. Looking forward to hearing more. And then this other rating is from IUAM and a couple of emojis. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you for your honesty and your beautiful content. Looking forward to more episodes. Ben, how does it feel to be loved? To love and be I mean, loved. I'm sort of used to it. So this is it's a shoulder shrug for me. Ben, no, this is, I mean, like, you know, pre-Amber were you loved by as many people? Yeah, as you the books I had always loved me. They never left me. Yeah, but those were they all always like white spoke characters to me. And white authors, no, that's not so entirely true. You were living in a lie. I, me? No. What? No. False. Wrong. Flip the page. Get it? Because we were talking about books. Right. Oh, cute. Cute. Amber, if you were in the woods and you were surrounded by cannibalistic, inbred white people Ooh. what would you do so first off i'm from georgia so i was you already that was my life for a very long time you're from Every athens georgia i know i'm trying to flex that you're from like the country you're not you do the same flex when you tell people but i'm from new york that's why i know real pizza you from upstate whore okay first of all long island originally you're from long island upstate but y'all I have, got traffic i've had there's no traffic Oh, on Island. Long Island, there's traffic, yes, but not upstate. There's really good pizza. On Long Island? No, you can drive. There's just good iced teas, and that's it. Basically, being on Long Island is like being any from any suburb anywhere in the U.S. and saying I'm from the closest city. Also, I So have, you know the city. Yes, I know the city, but also when you're from Georgia, you do know people in backwood neighborhoods because that's where your, fr- yeah. your parents used to live. So, so you visit those like every two weeks. But you're right. You're right. It's a flex. Athens is actually pretty progressive, and you love it when we go. Um, so why did you ask me that question about the woods, scientific? Well, you didn't really answer it. Yes, I did. I said I would pick peaches, be a bad bitch, and move to Chicago. That's so the life I did. That's how you would survive cannibalistic, inbred yes, I would pick white peaches, people, people who with are, the peaches. You'd they hit them with peaches. They probably me, Ben. So you would just let yourself be You've eaten. seen Deliverance. Inbred backwoods people typically like win, kind of. Yeah, they're they're hard. They're hard to they live overcome. In the fucking woods. They're human wolves. So this is I would label this as backwoods horror. I'd be this lynched. film is that what you want to hear? I don't think you would be lynched. I mean, the way That's you would maybe be impaled. You know, have your body split in half with a hatchet. So basically oh. this this spell I think would fall under backwoods horror. Maybe not backwoods slasher a little bit. So films like Wrong Turn or The Cabin in the Woods, uh, Hatchet, the Victor Crowley sort of um series Deliverance as you mentioned. I read Hatchet. No, this is not the Gary Paulson book. Hatchet is about this man who was uh born deformed and had a mental illness and was sort of kept in the house. And then these boys 
sort of went and uh, bullied him, sent like sort of set uh, firecrackers on his cabin. I saw Elephant Man. No, yeah, well, sort of like that. And then he started to get burn, burned alive. And his father came back and was trying to break down the door with a hatchet. But when he, he hit the door with the hatchet, it actually went through Victor Crowley's head. Oh, and my so God. now this is a movie. This is a movie. You should watch this during spooky. Season. Oh, it is like slasher gore. But Hatchet, I think maybe Hatchet Three is more co- comedic. It's There's pretty, three of them? Yeah, or How maybe many four. Times There's I a bunch. A, a, a father hit his son in the uh, head with a hatchet. Well, no, that's just the origin story. But then Tony Todd is, I think, like, what's his name? It's like Reverend Zombie. And so he leads uh, New Orleans tours and gives, like, these creepy tours and stuff. So Tony Todd, for those who don't know, is the original Candyman. So a lot of, you'll see, like, a lot of these horror actors and actresses sort of keep on showing up in the same kind of genre. But a, a big part of backwoods horror is usually like people, you know, going to a place for a vacation or going because they have to make a trip and they stop at a gas station, very classic, and they're they're warned not to go. And then they're sort of slowly, you know, killed off. And Spell would fall into that trope. Like they actually, it's about a family who, you know, uh, the, the father of this family, wealthy lawyer in the city, his father dies. He goes back home to Appalachia country and stops at a gas station, is warned not to go any further. Lo and at behold. At least without buying some hexes and yeah, some buy, roots. Yeah, some buy some hexes or roots. Lo and behold, he ends up in sort of this bizarre family who has him you know locked in a room they're going to use him for some nefarious purposes but have you so you've seen deliverance you've seen backwards I've seen parts of deliverance okay you it's see of lots of where your parents are like all right now go upstairs uh, we let you watch enough uh okay so you it's so interesting because or just bizarre because you've seen lots of parts of movies for example you know, you've seen parts of Back to the Future, which is just so bizarre. I'm like, how do you watch parts of a movie? And then I realize I didn't grow up with TV. So whenever I watched a movie, it was from start to end. You know, it was a video cassette tape. There was no commercials because we didn't have TV. So you have these like snippets of information mm-hmm. that are sort of mismatched, almost like a um, a quilt of a sort. Yeah. So the way you your memory of film is very different than how I see film. And I, I see also, film sort of the way the original directors intended it to be. So I'm uh, better. Oh, oh that was that, my point. You grew up with no TV and you're better. Got it. That's my point. I think also I recognize the cultural phenomena of when things happened as well. Like, because it's not just like Star Wars, the movie dropped and then we go on. It's like, no, merch dropped, more movies dropped, more fandom dropped. Like, I recognize the importance of those things as well. But like, you know, when you're watching movies as a kid, you start a movie, you fall asleep. Like, that's how it goes. I never did that. And then the movie is due back at Blockbuster on Friday. So you gotta take it back and then you rent the next movie. Like, like, think about when we had movie on demand. That didn't really even happen until we were in like high school, middle school. And by that time, I didn't want to be at home watching watching movies with my kids. I wanted to be at school flirting with boys and going to the varsity. You mean with your parents? You said being at home watching movies with my parents. Right? Oh, you said watching movies with my kids. My parents, okay. no. But uh, also, you say blockbuster, which is funny because um, 
Blockbuster was something that my parents sort of let me go to, but not always because the way Blockbuster advertised was they had all the movie covers facing out. Right. So you could sort of see, you know, you know, legs and thighs, legs and or or horror covers of, you know, Blockbuster. And they also had the most recent things and they had things that was, you know, not always appropriate. They even had like an adult section. They did. Yeah, absolutely. And and that cost money. So your family was was, you know, they had some money. Yeah, my family was middle class. So they were they were able to rent Blockbuster films. I was a library kid. Yeah. You got movies for free. Well, also our local, so this might be a thing in every town, but our town had a dollar movie theater as well that would drop movies like, like let's say a movie was in theaters for a really long time and then before it would go to DVD, it would go to the dollar movie. So I was watching movies sometimes a little bit later than when they first premiered as well. So anyway, enough shaming me. Why don't you talk about Amari Hardwick? Yeah, what is there to talk about? He tried to kiss Beyonce. <laughs> it's literally literally the only thing I know about him. Well, he also, um, do you remember? He's not all bad. He's just like annoying. He, It's like he's sexy and he knows it kind of thing. So he, uh, he also, what did he do? Oh, when Chadwick Boseman died, he had this post that was really self-centering himself. He was like, you know, me and Chadwick were contemporaries. Oh, yeah, I remember. I think and, you might have mentioned that before on this show. And too. we want to work in that. Like we, we work the same kind of films. We do the same kind of things. And it, and people are like, you're a drug dealer in power. Like Chadwick Boseman is the fucking black Panther. Y'all are not the same. Like, stop trying to make this about you. Like you're literally in this movie spell that like, sadly, we only know about because we like are digging for black sci-fi and fantasy and everybody knows who black Panther is or like, even so Chadwick Boseman was like Thurgood Marshall, Jackie Robinson. He was in Ma Rainey's black bottom. Like girl, stop. Don't, don't compare yourself to me. Who said that? Is that one of the, uh, it was a model. Yes. Good job. Good job. Who was it? And she was like, "Don't, don't, don't compare yeah, yourself so. to me." I don't, I don't remember her She's name. British. I, yeah, I won't know, but I know she was a model. Oh, so you, so I'm better than you. Got it, Naomi Campbell. You, we'll move forward. Naomi Campbell. So, what right. were your first impressions of the movie? I was slow as fuck. I was so bored. It's like, sort of like you on a Ooh. Sunday morning. Uh, say more. Unlo- be, if I if I don't say anything about getting breakfast. Like you'll you'll sleep until ten o'clock. I have to say something this on the weekend. On yeah. my weekend, I'll sleep until ten. I'm yeah. a horrible person. No, slow on the weekend. It. I think it started okay. The second forty minutes of the movie was like, oh, this is gonna be a long one. <laughs> and Loretta Devine was doing her best to carry, but like the writing was poor and like. Like there, there's just like some fat they could have trimmed in that middle part. Oh God, it was so horrific. And yeah, it was just like dough in the middle. Like it's like when you see, like you know, when I cook, when something's like looking crispy, crunchy on the outside, like those. Remember those red lobster biscuits I recently made that were like still doughy in the middle? It was like that, 
Because you you added too much water to it. Right, right. You added well, our basically measuring cups n- been, no substance. They're so faded that the numbers are gone off of them. So sometimes mm. I can't tell like a fourth from a third. I, I literally can't. Um, and I won't just get a anybody, cup out. Anybody who cooks at all can sort of just look at that and know. Which is telling because you don't. You simply just don't use measuring I mean, cups. You, chose you don't measure. Books, I chose looks. So the thing. Amber is, actually has a thing where she doesn't like to measure things. She I, doesn't enjoy measuring measurements. You know, it's it's very like. I don't think my grandma owns like one measuring cup, and she's like one of the greatest cooks ever. Like she eyeballs everything to test out if the stove is hot. She literally just lays her hand down, and she's like, "Yep, that'll work." So I didn't grow up watching the best cooks in my family measure things. So when I got older, I didn't measure things, which is my <laughs> my grandma's greens are salty as fuck, but they're great. Like her collard greens. Those greens are salty as fuck. Like they already have the fat back and then it's just like tons of Morton salt. But, you know, we love her. Those greens slap. All right. But get, get to your point. So your point was about. My point is the middle. The middle is the worst to get through. And then at some point it's going so, so well. Like there's some really good body body horror. Is that what yeah. you call it? Uh, like Ben was saying. And the end ends really well, too. Like there are a couple times in the movie. Let, where, let's not get to the end, end just yet. Let's just. No, say, I wasn't getting there. I was saying there were a couple of times in the movie where we thought one thing would happen and then something else happened. And then I was like, oh, I really like what they're doing there. I just want more of that like there was an interaction at the gas station between sort of one of the like country bumpkins in the gas station who came up and the rich kids from the city and they're having this interaction and um he he looks at his cell phone this country bumpkin and he's looking at it like it's a cool new gadget or whatever and you know the city slicker is just like yeah y'all ain't got these joints whatever whatever and gives the phone back and as he's walking away he's like you should probably get, you know, 5G next time. Like, the 3 and 4Gs are a little bit old. So it's just like a nice little jab. Do you remember, sidebar, do you remember George of the Jungle? The movie? Yeah. Brandon Fraser. Do, do you remember there was a scene in George of the Jungle where Lyle, the asshole who was going to marry Ursula, what, they were like, the, the Africans that were taking them on a tour, they were like, ooh, can we see your camera, whatever? And he was like, camera, camera, look, uh, lenses. Like, he's talking slowly or whatever. Yeah. And then they later say to him, like, this isn't even like a 35 millimeter camera. Like, like they're just trashing him. So I, I love when those moments happen. Yeah. Well, a lot of these like backwoods horror sort of sets up this dichot- dichotomy or this tension between city people and country folk. And that's what they're trying to do in that moment. But right. then they're trying to subvert it, saying, you know, we'll see the country people have access to technology the the reason it sort of fell apart is because marquis um the main character in this is a lawyer his family he has a daughter and a son and they are really fucking wealthy like there's no way his son wouldn't have a phone that's 5g you know they were just (laughs) they were just doing things to try to be deep or try to you know i know but i like that you know like, because there is a huge, like you said, dichotomy there. And I really love sometimes when a country bumpkin is like, actually, I know exactly what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Right, exactly. And I guess they're trying to, sh- the setup of the film is they're trying to show Marquise is this, you know, a highly intelligent uh, lawyer. But at the same time, he's really handy. For example, the opening scene is his wife accidentally gets locked in her room 
and he sort of picks the lock to help her out. And you're from that, you're supposed to infer that, you know, later he might be locked in a room and he can sort of pick his way out because he's so smart at that kind of thing. And so I, I feel like the beginning, they had some interesting character development. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one point, that whole scene where the son says something derogatory about uh, the country, the country guy. boy that they're having an interaction with. You want to just break that down? Yeah. It- as he's walking, as the country boy is walking away, the son goes like, the son tied down goes like, man, country ass nigga. And then the mom is like, what did you say? Don't call him that. Country ass. That's not nice. And I was like, oh, that was nice that they did that because I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like different households as far, different black households have different rules as far as the N word goes. But like, I know my mother would have never corrected my brother saying nigga in my house growing up, you know? Right. I think. Especially if he was just talking about like, oh, the niggas at the barbershop would just get on my nerves. Like my mom would never be like, what did you say? Don't call other black people that. So at first I thought that that mom was scolding him for saying that, but it it was also a nice like, oh, she's not. She's talking about country ass. Well, yeah. And you're sort of led to believe that because the son says, oh, dad says that all the time and she's like no and then her second her response is no country ass that's what i'm talking about so yeah that they set that up pretty well and then the whole magic system in here revolves around uh boogity dolls which is sort of like a yoruba um say it one more time yoruba yoruba tradition of uh you can sort of look them up uh but they are part of Appalachian like root magic. It's grounded in that. Yeah. So they, that's they kind historically of voodoo dolls. Yeah, yeah, voodoo dolls. But there's a very particular Appalachian um, take on that. So I thought that was pretty cool. The magic that they and these these dolls are like very artistically fascinating and. And they're scary. Uh, they, like I, I had to cover my eyes a couple times during this film. Yeah. So they're you know so. Uh, but again the movie was an hour and a half but it felt like three hours so i was like okay like can we just wrap this up yeah do you think it could have been an hour or do you think they could have done way more with that 90 minutes they could have done way more i mean there's a whole scene where they're flying a plane because that's how you get to appalachia from whatever fucking city they're coming from i have no idea (laughs) it turns out the whole thing was like shot in south africa uh, so they're coming from some city that I don't think is ever named and they fly to Appalachia and they don't take a car. But there's, all, I guess because they rented a plane, they have all these shots of this plane and that is wasted time that you yeah. could have sort of had dialogue or like, I don't, there's no sort of characteristic about the daughter or the son. There's nothing. Yeah, It's like she just writes in her journal. I don't even think we ever got her name. Yeah, it was probably said, but it was so, you know, unmemorable and... It's like, okay, whatever. And we also learn early on that uh, the main character, Marquis, has these like visions of his very abusive father. And so the whole flashbacks, Uh, flashbacks, I I don't know so much visions, but yeah, flashbacks of his very abusive father. Um, And so the whole the, the reason why they're even going back to Appalachia is because like he gets this call that like, hey, your father's passed away. You're next of kin. Um, so please come right away, which is interesting because you think since he's getting these very 
sort of horrific flashbacks of his father's abuse that he wouldn't go. You think he would be resistant. You think he'd be like, I don't want to revisit the past. Like I, I saw some crazy shit growing up, but you don't get any of that. Like the minute he learns that his father who like literally stabbed him, um, his dead, he's like, all right, well let's, let's all go back, you know? And it was just like, how you don't remember your childhood? Like what? Like wh- why wouldn't you just want to go, go handle that on your own if you even wanted to handle it at all? I thought there was going to be more dialogue where his wife was like, "Come on, like even though y'all had a bad relationship, uh, you, um, like you should still go honor your father." Or I, I, I also don't. I don't know. It's because I'm a wife or whatever. I just don't buy these stories sometimes of like a wife being clearly unaware of her husband's trauma. Like, is that, are we just like super close or is that like, like I keep seeing that trope where it's like, why did you never tell me about like all this stuff you went through as a child? And I'm just kind of like, I feel like people are closer to their husbands than that. Like my mom definitely knows shit about my dad that I'll never know that she'll take to the grave, you know? Well, it it makes for an interesting story, but I also think it's just lazy fucking writing as well. Yeah. Like, like, but okay, even we're in gonna... Candyman, we saw stuff like that. Like, why didn't you ever tell me that your dad committed suicide or whatever? You're just kind of like, well, that's different because they were just boyfriend and girlfriend. But I don't know. I think I... it's strange when you're you when someone you they were living together. Yeah, when your life partner doesn't know about some of your like childhood trauma when you have visible body scars. Uh, also, I think he did know that the father committed suicide because he was a famous artist. Oh, well, maybe with that one, but I, I don't know. Or or vice versa. She doesn't know his story. I think it's very strange when your partner doesn't know, like, huge things about your childhood. It, it is. And y'all have two kids that are, like, adults. Yeah. It didn't make sense. It, I think, again, writers do these kinds of things because it's easy you know, to, to sort of hide things, to sort of make it surprising. But we're not surprised. You're not hiding anything when you sort of make two of your main characters who have a close relationship fail to communicate. Like this failure to communicate, which is a big part of the human experience, but some of these films or movies show this failure to communicate in like a fifth grade, sixth grade, middle school level. Yeah, It's like very immature. And we're way more complex than that. Also, the fact that he was a lawyer had literally nothing to do with the story. He could have been any profession, which was weird. I think they were just trying to show, like, look, he makes a lot of money. He's high profile. And also, the so it it, it made it seem like he was almost a little bit career obsessed. Like, he's got this beautiful home. This is a $1,500 door. I'm not going to break this down. So... When he's getting the he's he, and he just picked up this major case as a lawyer, and the minute his very abusive father dies and he gets that call, he's like, "All right, let's go visit him." I'm like, "So you're really gonna like you're so you're this high profile lawyer? You just clearly picked up a high profile case where you're gonna make a whole bunch of money, and out of nowhere you're like, fuck that case. I'm gonna go back and visit all this trauma. It just th- th- that was mishandled. Yeah, the motivation wasn't there at all. It, or, I mean, it, it, for this to make sense, it would have been nice if he was a scientist and then he doesn't believe in, you know, the scientist who is skeptical, which is a whole trope. But again, you sort of can see more of his character development or the fact that um, and, and then he encounters magic and then he starts to believe, which is, you know, sort of a an element of the story. But also, 
there's no ref, there's no reference back to his father. There's no larger scope within like why we're seeing him traumatized by this. I guess part of the reason they want to do this is because uh, a big part of this is he is now encountered these like backwood folk who constantly refer to him as like this city guy or like what do they call him like. Yeah, you know, they'll call you like a city slicker. Or yeah, they call him like city slicker, but they constantly say it to make it very clear. Like, there's a difference between black country people and black city people. Yeah, you know, all these things that will. <laughs> right, but there's nothing. They're not really. It's not into subgroups, but it goes nowhere. Well, no, I think there's a legitimate thing to explore there, but just saying it is like, doesn't really add anything to the exploration of that theme there's nothing really added to it and i guess the reason they wanted to show him coming from the country show him like being beat up by his father and showing him you know i think at one point being stabbed by his father you see him sort of like touching scars on his body is to show that he can survive this family who's been around for you know hundreds of years because they take part in this like blood moon ritual that involves him stealing the life source from sacrifices so that they keep on living forever which once they get to that part they they show that and then 15 minutes the movie is over but that was the most interesting part hell yeah you remember when like halfway through the movie i was like let me just cook some breakfast because like we're gonna be here a minute and then as as the breakfast that i'm cooking you know i'm not a cook so it's literally just like eggs and bacon as that wraps the movie starts picking up. And I was like, oh shit, I can't even like focus on this food anymore because we're seeing like some insane body horror. I'm loving Loretta Divine as this like huge root matriarch, worker yeah. and matriarch. And she just like is clearly like running everybody else's boogity dolls around her. Like that was so good. And I just needed more of that evilness. And the body horror was really like, I had to cover my eyes, like I said. Yeah. And those scenes were. Amari Hardwick acts in extreme pain were pretty well acted. Like there's this element where he has hurt his leg in this plane crash. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, the woman who saved him is sort of saying, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you. And then he discovers that actually his leg was not hurt in the plane crash. They basically put a nail drove a spike through drove a spike through railroad track spike not a nail (laughs) like a railroad like jesus christ on the cross very that like spike through his nail and he like pulls it out and then it like oozes you can see the ooze of blood and like pus and amber's like eating her bacon and we're just like oh wait no we cannot we cannot we can't can't and then he has to jam it back in because she comes in to like check to see if it's still there it's so I thought that was great. Woogity woogity. Yeah. And then and then the big part part is that his son has this like tattoo of thirty on him and it turned out that Oh my gosh. She fed him part of his son's hand. Yes. Uh which is part of this ritual that needs to be formed. And he was eating it good, Yeah, too. he was like, this is delicious. Like, I was watching him eat that plate being like, damn, that shit look good. Because every now and then, you know, I do miss a good plate of soul food from time to time. I sort of love cannibalism. And, okay. And right. I, I sort of want to, like, talk to you about cannibalism and see if these situations are okay for cannibalism. Can I ask you a few questions about that, Amber? Yes, let's... let's why don't you ask me these questions after the break? Okay. 
So you do everything. You love us, right? You follow the TikTok, you follow the Instagram, but another way to support us is to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Wild Wild Love. You'll see some more emotional and just vulnerable parts of me and Ben's love story and honestly some stuff that I just do on my own on our journey to self-love. So be sure to subscribe to Wild Wild Love on YouTube. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back. Go for it, Ben. Okay, so... Cannibalism is a really important part of humanity. You know, it says a lot about <laughs> okay, who we are. Army as, Hammer. <laughs> oh, right. It says a lot about who we are as humans and how we create taboos. And cannibalism and we create what taboos? Oh, ta- okay. And cannibalism is a big part of Greek myths. And it's a big part of heart. Uh, you know, horror films. So I want to ask you. In each case, if this is okay, so uh, this guy uh, Lysan, uh, Greek myth, uh, served a child, his grandson, to a god to see if uh, Zeus was really omniscient, like to see if God was all knowing. Is that an appropriate? Why would uh, I'm missing how? Be the, he would learn if God was all-knowing. Because Zeus could say, well, that's not goat meat. That's human meat. Oh, okay. So he was so like he, testing. Sorry. So the visual in my head was just of a live baby on a platter. That wasn't no, it. No, no, no. Well, that's not how you cook a baby, Amber. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, you, I'm not first well of all, you, on how to you, cook a baby. You cut off please. the head oh, and you okay. sort of, you know, you trim off. I mean, well, a baby, they're mostly fat, so... That's what you're cooking. You're cooking fat, sort of like the fat on a steak. Some people, you know, keep the steak on. You uh, know, you, that quote you always p- throw out to me, the Eddie Murphy movie. What's which? Trim one? the fat. Oh no, she'd kill me. Oh please, don't trim that fat. She would kill me. Norbit. Okay. Norbit. Yeah, you always quote. <laughs> so you know, you don't trim the fat off a baby. You Got know, it. you cut Sorry. off the head, you remove the eyeballs, you know, all that. Of course. Either. Obviously, no, Ops. no. How, how can you? No, you don't. Sir, if you want to hide a served baby on a plate you don't just put a baby on a plate especially what do you season your baby with i would season mine with you know your standard seasonings you know salt pepper cajun your white is showing (laughs) salt pepper sorry keep going so is that okay um serve a god serve a baby well how many grandchildren did you have well no i mean (laughs) is it okay well he probably had a lot Okay, here's another. I just feel like there's another way you could find out if God was unknowing than like killing a child. Because what if you find out that God's not all knowing? Okay, how how about this one? Or Zeus, rather. You have Cronus, right? Okay, what's that? Cronus is this uh, one of the Greek gods. Oh. Ancient, ancient God before the Greek gods. And he learns through a prophecy that his children are going to kill him. Yeah, you got it. So he decides to eat them. Is that ethical? It's ethical, yes. Why? Because he's, uh, are his prophecies usually correct? Yeah. I mean, in a way, all children cannibalize your time, right? They take up your time. <laughs> that is not. All, all children, children eat human your time. That doesn't even make sense. Cannibalize is sort of a term that refers to like, they consume the thing that you're is consuming me. your life. So the next time you're getting on my fucking nerves, I'm going to be like, this is cannibalism. Like, okay. You're consuming all of my time. I think it's totally fine if you have a vision of someone eating you to eat them first. Okay. So Atreus was pissed off at his, at his brother 
uh, Thaetis, Thaistus, a Thaistus feast. Anyway, Thaistus for many reasons. Uh, one of them was that his brother was fucking his wife and was Damn. trying to steal his throne. So then Atreus goes ahead and serves his niece and nephews to his brother. Is that okay? Is it okay to like? Hmm. So your brother is having sex with your wife. She's trying to take your throne and your kingdom. Well, is it cannibalism if you don't know? That's actually the question I'm thinking about now. If you don't know that you're eating a human, is it cannibalism? Yeah. I don't think it is. Like, because what if you're a vegetarian and then one day, like, you tell the cook, like, hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, I don't eat meat, blah, 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 and they serve you something, and they're, they switched your plates on accident. Like, mm. are you still not a vegetarian? That's a good point. If you only eat a vegetable for a single meal, for does that make you a vegetarian for that meal? Technically, yes. If you eat a piece of your skin for a piece of the day, if you bite a hangnail and you swallow it, and maybe you're on a fast or maybe you forget to eat, and the only thing you ate that day was part of that hangnail, right? does that make you a cannibalism or self-cannibalizing for well, a day? That's like... I committed one crime versus I'm a criminal. You're like, like, I did one crime on, I, I, I rode around with a broken taillight and I didn't know it. And that's technically against the law. Like, am I a criminal? I don't know. I don't think it's cannibalism if you didn't know that you were eating it. All right. Of so, course he wouldn't have eaten his son if he didn't know it. Yeah. Well, his son's hand. And the reason he figures this out is, I'm sorry, I'm getting pukey. As I describe this, he throws up and he sees the, part of his son's skin that says 33 on it which i thought was clever well no she gives him bones at first and then he arranges the bones and they look like a hand he pukes that up and then notices that that hand is right his son's. right yeah which <clears throat> ooh, that was when i was like oh shit this movie is trying to do something like that that point in the movie was happening in that dead middle 40 minutes and so that was like okay this is a reason to keep watching like Clearly, his family's dead, like, or at least his son's hand was severed. Crazy. The other cool thing is I love religious ceremonies. Yeah. And there's a religious ceremony that Marquis sort of discovers, or Marcus. Is it Marcus or Marquis? Marquis. Marquis. Marquis discovers by trying to escape out the window. He looks down, and they do this ceremony that sort of feels at first like, you know, a standard black church clapping of hands, praise the Lord, but then they kill a <laughs> cat, and you're like, oh. And Amber looked away for that, and I was like, oh, come on. In horror, like, you you can kill a cat in a horror film. Right. Like, I, I just felt like they were very, like, don't pull away the screen. Like, m make us feel that. Like, make us feel that taboo. If you're doing horror, like, lean in. This just felt so frustrating. Because I do, I'm not crazy about horror, but when I watch horror, like, I want it, like, gruesome, awful. Yeah. Like, the... Candyman did that, too. I was like, why are you pulling us away pulling during the murder? <laughs> oh, I, and it's a cat. And I love cats. And, like, let us feel that horror of... You know sacrifice you do love cats i do love cats and so they they pull away but then there's this whole scene of like go eyes where this man is uh blind and they take these goat's eyes and the man can start looking at uh the goat eyes and i wish they did something more with that like they they fed us some cool ideas and then all that does 
is nothing. Or like, oh, that's cool, but there that doesn't lead to anything else with the plot. I was like, this is fucking stupid. But I did like that that whole community of like Afro voodoo people were all older, so you're you're learning like why would there be a town with just like middle-aged old people and all of their ailments are being cured and that's when you slowly start figuring out like oh they are they don't die they're they're doing these practices so that they can just like keep living forever but like loretta divine the way she just like almost like brutalized omari hardwick was just like oh my god yeah it had a very much of a misery feel to it and have you seen misery or you only Um, seen parts of that too i've seen i I know what it's about and i've seen seen parts parts of it it. yeah yeah figured wow you okay i'm fine I'm just you like, seem really mm. upset. Do you want to? If you could eat one of my body parts, which one would it be? You got to remove some clothes first. Currently. Yeah, take off some clothes. <laughs> oh my god! I'll eat that. Not in booty. My- <laughs> oh my god! Get the booty lick. Jesus. Booty lick. Oh my god! I mean, like you would eat At- for days if we were stranded on an island and you had to eat my booty you know voltaire and candide remember uh, i forgot the woman i had to read this in college but um voltaire, yes she gets part of like a, one of the 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 woman in it I forgot her name but she gets half of her butt eaten just like one cheek yeah I mean, yeah, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I was just thinking about because I've been re-binging Bob's Burgers from the beginning because the the movie is coming out next year, so I just kind of want to watch all of the episodes again. Two funny things here: the very first episode of Bob's Burger is a uh, is an episode about. Like Louise goes to school and tells this story during show and tell, being like, "My dad owns a burger company, but you know." legend has it we use remains from the crematorium next door so obviously there's this rumor that begins that bob has human flesh in his meat sweeney todd and it's so funny it's so funny and um and the health inspector's out to get him it's so funny and then the second thing is we watched an episode the other day where uh, we learned that teddy who is this like plumber or whatever Fix it, man. Who's super annoying in Bob's Burgers? He like bites himself during his sleep. <laughs> so, at one point, Bob was hallucinating. Something you and uh, Teddy share. Amber. <laughs> I do not bite myself in my sleep, Teddy. I wish you did. You wish I bit myself in my. It sleep? might stop some of that elephant snoring. Amber snores so loud. I actually found out recently I snore too. Thank you, Amber. Yes, for you that fucking video. do. I don't understand. I can't, like... I can't believe I did that. I'm so ashamed. I can't What's believe you're not you're it? not ashamed. <laughs> I don't have to deal with it. I remember growing Just up, kidding. not growing up. That sounds horrible. But I remember like definitely in college when I got to a point where like, oh, men can stay in my apartment and that's okay. Or like, you know, who, whoever I was talking to and that's okay. I hope this is cannibalism. To, okay, it's cool. not. I would have to warn every guy who I was like dating or sleeping with. I was like, hey. I'm super great. I have a lot of incredible qualities. One that's not so incredible is that I snore really, really loudly. Never like, got you that can't, warning. At the time, I was like, you know, I was like super petite. I was super hot like I am now. You still are. Thank you. That's what I said. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, that's when I had like the long hair, fat ass, had a six pack, essentially, because we were doing stepping like all day, every day. Like all I did was cardio. And these men just could not believe that this like, and, and I was in the sorority that literally is like all about femininity in class. And if, if you know, uh, like Greek letter black sororities, you already know which one it was. And so it's AKA. Yeah, no, 
black people would know that. But um, but yeah, say you can say that for our white listeners and or non-black listeners. I'll speak for the non-black listeners. <laughs> That's a lot of people. And these guys will be like, whoa, you were not kidding. And I was like, yeah, like I get it from my I'm dad. Sorry. My dad snores incredibly loud. What were you saying, though, about uh, cannibalism and human meat? Bob's Burgers. The yeah, I, 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 I sent you off tar- off track. I, I'm sorry about that. Ben, I would probably eat your thighs. Yeah, They're you, really juicy. You, you could eat those. Eat them up. All right, so one thing that I appreciate about this film because... Amber and I have interviewed other people about uh, voodooism and using uh, Yoruba in their works. And a big criticism is when it's brought up, it's sort of brought up as like this very demonic kind of thing. Yeah. Princess and the Frog is like all about how negative. Yeah. It's uh, okay. Very, you know, it's a trope. It's a harmful trope. What I loved about this is that the way that uh, Marquis gets out of the situation is he ends up using uh, the the Bugatti dolls against his captures. Yes. And he does this in a really cool way. He ends up making one for each one of them, which I I guess we're sort of led to believe that he's been captive for like weeks on end. Well, he makes a Bugatti doll of her. I think he steals the other dolls that Mm. she possessed of the other townspeople. But like, because she has this big prophetic line where she's just like, that's why I hide my, you know, literally the Reddit about like, that's why I hide my Bugatti doll so you can't get to it. And he was like, lucky for you, I made my own. Like, you know, some sort of like. So he did, he did the magic his own. And the way he does it is he like throws it up in the air and hits it with a hammer and she ends up going flying back. Oh. And then he uses like salt to trap her in and burn her alive. So he ends up using all the magic that he did not believe at first mm-hmm. to sort of liberate him. And so it sort of shows that this magic is amoral. It can be used, you know, for evil and oppression. And it could be used to overcome your oppressor. So I thought that was sort of a nice way to end the film and so the the last 15 minutes i think were like worth watching especially because there's not really a lot of like hoodoo or uh you know especially like appalachian type of inspired stories so i think this stands as an important space in that but if it just failed so in so many ways that it was frustrating but some really big praises of the movie like honestly there's only like one white person in this movie and they're at the oh, very yeah. beginning i thought that was really cool even the sheriff in the town is black and he's sort of in on it as well i also personally enjoyed you know omari hardwick is not chadwick bozeman but he did a really good job in some scenes especially where he was having to physically portray the things that Loretta Devine or Eloise's character was doing to his boogity doll. Mm. So at one point she ripped the boogity doll's tongue out and he had to do a great job of like, you know, simulating that he couldn't speak and stuff or she, she wrapped it in string. And so he had to keep his arms tied together really close. I really enjoyed that. You know, just like it's a, like I did some uh, improv set last night and I was, as I was jumping in and out of scenes, I was like, how can I bring some more of this like physical comedy into like these scenes? And I think he did a great job with that, like past the blood and gore and he get, gets really sweaty and he, he did a good job as an actor. Like he can only carry the script so much Loretta Devine as well. Yeah. I, I had never seen him act before. So it was fun to see him act because I mostly know him 
for like these negative reasons. And I was like, I left thinking like, oh, this this man can be a is a yeah. is a strong actor. Yeah, his biggest claim to fame is like Ghost in Power. Oh yeah, like that's like what he's known for. Yeah. So. And Ben, with that being said, why don't you warp up the show? In conclusion, Hollywood, please make more hoodoo or Yoruba-inspired films. We have enough, like, Christian exorcist types of bullshit. So, yeah, just please don't make me fall asleep. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Side Podcast. Up next for next week, we have an interview with Nicole Glover. She is the author of the magical, fantastical book, The Conductors. So be sure to check that out. And also, don't forget, we're going to be pulling that raffle next week to see who won the book Ring Shout from the Patreon. So we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.